What's up and welcome to episode 3 of How Not to Summon a Podcast. I'm Shini Senpai and this week I am joined by that man who finally made it to floor 2, Jim. I found the door, guys. And that guy's still on the front lines, Grayson. How's it going, gang? And this week we are going to be doing part 2 of Sword Art, episode 8 to 14 of the Ironcrad arc. So we're jumping straight in where we left off for part two, and we're starting with episode eight. So the start of episode eight, we get the hunting scene. So the bit that sort of expands into the next few scenes after that is when he hunts down this rare rabbit. With his knitting needles, guys. Has he got a sewing skill by any chance? There are many skills in this game. Infinite amount of skills, some might say. Yet he still has the same fucking clothes that he had on episode one. In fairness, not seeing anyone with a bow. That's actually, yeah, that's true. So, uh, to be fair, it is called Sword Art Online. It'd be weird if there were bows. Hold on. There's got to be ranged people, though. There's got to be ranged attackers. Why does that have to be? It's not. I think it just it does establish it's a sword arts only. Yeah. There are different types of swords. I'm assuming there's everything from, like, Cloud's Buster Sword to the, as soon as tiny little rapier or whatever it's called. So after he's caught this rabbit, he actively goes to sell it. So he goes to Igil's shop. And he tries to sell the rabbit and then he's told, well, why are you selling this? You should really eat it. And he's then goes on about the cooking skills and that he doesn't have a high enough skill to cook a meat like that and he'd only burn it, basically. This is weird because early on it's established that he does have a high cooking skill when he makes cream. That was Asana's cream. No, that was his cream. It was. It was Asana's bread. It was his cream. Yes, it was his. Yeah, so he must have some base skill. Yeah. But I guess this is such a high-level rare item. Well, they say it's an ultra-rare item that he literally doesn't want Maybe to Maybe he just it. doesn't want to fuck it up. Maybe that's the big Would deal. You? Would you want to fuck up something like that that's apparently the most amazing item to eat? If somebody said to me, this is the last Maccas you can have and it's going to taste amazing, but you've got to cook it or find somebody that's really good. Gordon Ramsay, I'd be on the fucking phone. Straight away, I'd be like, <laughs> mate, get here. I need this cooking for me. Yeah, fair play. All right. Well... Conveniently enough for him, Asuna just turns up at that exact moment that he's wondering how he's going to cook the meat, and he straight up just asks her. No, he actually says, I found my chef. He does say that. This is a great view for women right here. Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) Really good. In fairness, she did go out of her way to up her cooking skills. So So after he's found his chef, this is the first time we meet Kuradil as well, the, the little creepy guy that's following Asuna around. You instantly know this guy's a bad guy. This is the first one that is actually genuinely creepy, though. Like, the bad guys have been traditional bad guys. This is a proper creepy dude. He instantly is portrayed as, he's bad, he's creepy, something's not right. Well, he looks it for a start. Even in the white outfit, which is supposed to be good, it's supposed to be representing the good people, he still looks so bad in that outfit. So we only see him for a brief period and then obviously he gets sent away and that's when we have another one of the better scenes, I think, which is the cooking scene when Kirito goes back to Asuna's house and um, she uses her amazing cooking skills that we get to see. I actually really like this scene. It's the most MMO RPG cooking ever. Tap it once, cuts it, tap it twice, cuts it again. No one, no one's tapping Asuna once. To be fair, when she <laughs> threatens him with the knife as well. Love that bit. Yeah, yeah. But then we get stronger sooner back. 
We do, you know, yeah. This this is proper kick-ass Asuna that is. Well, she I'm demands in, that charge. he joins her party. Yeah. She's like, I want to form a party right now because I can. And he's like, oh, I don't know, it's quite dangerous. And then she flips a knife on it and it's like, hold on a minute, yeah, this, this is- woman's going to blooming shake me down. Strides different from earlier Asuna, which doesn't even know what a health gauge is. We also find out in this scene, a little fact, that they start talking about the fact that everybody's become accustomed to living in Aincrad. And I like that. Because they're two years in now, and she turns around and she says, there are only 500 players actively trying to clear the floors now. People have got used to living in that world. A lot more people are now like Kirito when he was actually on the first level saying he was felt more alive in the game than he did in real life. People have now got lives, livelihoods. They're actually doing stuff that they're enjoying in the world. I think there's a big difference. Kirito felt that way because he's an introvert these other people have been forced to to feel that way but now they love it forced to accept that they might not ever get out but they actually uh, they do state when we meet other characters that they're starting to enjoy what they're doing now more than they ever did enjoy what they were doing outside in the real world let's be honest between the three of us here we'd enjoy the shit out of this i don't think i'd come out no i don't think i would either i think this this would be where i live if they said to me You've got to clear the levels. I'd be like, right, gentlemen's agreement. We go to floor 99, no further. That's it. Yeah, I'd literally be on board with that. Yeah. However, they do reference at a point later on that the bodies are deteriorating on the outside world and that no matter how many machines are keeping you alive, there's only so long they can keep you alive for. We all know that's bullshit. We know that's medical bullshit. Like, people are kept alive for years and years and years. The body just needs nutrients. It doesn't need a fucking steak. A life support machine. Yeah. I do not care. (laughs) I have a question. Go on. I have a question. If the nerve gear intercepts signals from the brain to the body, what the fuck is causing these people to breathe? That's a movement of the diaphragm. How is how is it differentiating that from any other signal? That should be different. You're breathing per in person. real life, are you not? Yeah, but what? How? I just naturally, I guess, like as if you were sleeping. But you're not sleeping. You you can act out when you're asleep. This is interrupting. It's not a chemical action that's causing you to not move. This it, is why this hasn't been made yet. Th- this is something that intercepts a signal from the nervous system before it gets to the body, which means it intercepts every signal from the nervous system. However, they explain earlier on that they patted themselves down so the machine could read their body because then when it turns, when he turns them in episode one into their real selves, they're like, Kirito literally turns around and says, how does he know our height and weight and everything? And Klein says, you input some of the data right at the start, like your weight and everything, and then the machine got you to pat yourself down? Touch yourself all over, I believe is what they said. So are we saying that this machine can, I suppose it can, yeah. No, if it can... If it understands a signal from your right arm to your left arm and eats your finger, it's going to know your lung one and just go, well, allow that one. Yeah, don't worry about the heart or the lung. We want the brain and that's it. But I'll still... Allow uh, I'll allow it. Yeah, you're going to have to allow it. And scientists, get on it. Hurry up. I've only got probably maybe 50 years to go. <laughs> Depend on how I go. Someone's murdering you before then, what you're talking about. <laughs> 30. I'll take 30 at this point. So we move on to the next time we see Kuridil. Yeah. It's the fight when Asuna teleports in, she lands on Kirito, and we have the cannon boot grab. It has to happen. 
It doesn't have to happen. It Again, has to happen. These are the two different types of anime fans. The ones that want the gratuity and the ones that don't give a shit. The casual sneaky squeeze. It's not sneaky if it's in your face. <laughs> I mean, You're he... telling me you're not taking a sneaky squeeze. I'm not taking a sneaky squeeze. No, he's grabbing both. He, he, he doesn't care about the sneak. <laughs> There's no sneakiness involved. He when she dives What's at him, this? when Infinite he dives at him, skills. <laughs> when he dives at him, sleight of hand, straight there, he's got that. Yeah, skill. a boob grab is now comparable to a card trick. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if she dived out of that portal, you'd have your arms out already in place, like Grayson. a sixth sense. <laughs> yeah, like a sixth sense. You'd be like, hold on, she's on her way. There we go. Closely followed by Curadil. And then we have the duel between them, which is, well, doesn't last long, does it? Let's be honest. One strike, is it? It's one strike. Yeah. Punk ass bitch. And we also see Laughing Coffin again. Very briefly, there's a cloaked figure watching the fight. There is. You're right. That would explain the next episode. Yes and no, because my question is, is that the moment that they recruit him? Or is he just watching him because he's already in it? We don't actually I believe that is. I believe that is when he gets recruited, his... He's already been embarrassed and pretty much... I mean, Are we saying that there's a plot piece that we've got to interpret for ourselves in Sword Art Online? Yeah, I guess it, you're supposed to feel that Laughing Coffin want Kirito dead and they found this guy who's super angry at Kirito specifically. There should so be a lot more him. people angry at Kirito. I'm, I'm not going to lie. In this entire thing... There should be a lot more people angry at Kirito for stuff that he does. I don't know. Like, if we see him helping people, surely he, there's going to be rumours and stories of him helping as much as there's going to be of him being a prick. People are going to want to take down the Black Swordsman. Yeah, he does have a reputation as a Black Swordsman now, doesn't he? Yeah, He does. That name is established on the bridge scene, because that, that party go, it's the Black Swordsman. Actually, yeah. it's established in this episode. Oh, it's the Black Swordsman with Lightning Flash Asuna. Yep, they all have their little canon names. I like Lightning Flash Asuna. It's a good good name. Also, who named her that? Or is that just something that they came up with in the guild and were like, oh, she's so quick. I guess, yeah, that's based on her skill set. And then she well, just ran with it. I was like, yeah, cool. I'd run with it. Oh, well, yeah, yeah true. Might have be just about got to level two gym. So we finally get to the bit where they go to the dungeon and they start partying together and they finally conveniently come across the boss room. Conveniently. Very conveniently. It has to be them that finds the boss room in a random dungeon that they're going to. Just for funsies as well. And it's when we get the sneaky peek of the boss, the stereotypical boss minotaur guy. It's such a boring design, like some Egyptian looking minotaur with a tail. Why gleam eyes? Yeah, there was eyes over gleam. Gleaming eyes. Weird. Well, yeah, it is weird. But, I mean, it had gleaming eyes, and it was called Gleam Eyes, so... Gleam Eyes sounds more like a disco song than a boss fight. <laughs> I like that. It would have been much cooler if it had a disco going on inside. This this boss fight doesn't need a disco. The soundtrack is epic Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> the soundtrack for this, the build-up from when they open the doors to when the actual boss turns up, is amazing. And the transition of episodes really good as well. So yeah. the end of the episode and then the beginning of the follow one, what we d- see the boss again and then they hightail it out of there. What I don't like is that they run away, run away screaming. You would run away. That's a boss fight that you do not take on. That's a, that's a front lines thing. Step out backwards, just quickly, instead of running screaming at the camera. It's, it's, just- it's odd because they're able to run out of the door 
Yeah. Um, yeah. When the door I'm sure, closes. I'm sure the door closes on the next lot that go in. Am I wrong? Although saying that, I think the Liberation Army went in, in. Yeah, maybe, these maybe guys if, uh, were like bosses would have a line of sight thing. Well, before maybe they we, just didn't engage line of sight. Before we even meet the Liberation Army, when they're sitting down, Klein turns up. As always. Love Klein. They look so tired, though, his Love entire Klein. crew. And he hits on Asana, which is hilarious. Yeah, he does. And he gets beat down by Kirito because of it. And this is the first time you see that Kirito quite obviously likes Asuna. Jealousy. Yep, instantly punches him. The entire crew comes around and you think, oh my god, they're about to start a fight. And then they all start trying to hit on Asuna and leave Klein on the floor, just killed over him. Yeah, why does Klein just accept that he's a beta bitch in this situation? He's Klein! Klein is that little comedy relief. He's also it, it, 17, so he's the same in, age in as Asuna. There isn't, there isn't much comedy relief in Sword Art. There really isn't. No, there isn't. There's a lot more emotion and feeling in Sword Art. That's when Klein is shortly followed by the Liberation Army as well. That's yeah. the first time. Is that that is the first time we hear of a Liberation Army? This is the first time they show up. Yeah, first mention of the Liberation. And Army. they mention that what are the Liberation Army doing up here? They haven't been up here since the catastrophe on level thirty-two. Or yeah, four, they, they four never establish it until later on why they're there. Well, I mean, they, they yeah, they don't establish it, but also it's the fact that they're like, hold on a minute, this is, what, floor 74 or something like that? Or floor 70? And I know Kirito warns them about going to the boss room, but don't you think that he would have felt like the responsibility is, he knows for a fact the Liberation Army only govern, is it the first 20 floors 26 floors. First 26. So they're not going to be high level, and he allows them to still go. Even with a warning, I get it, but... How is he supposed to stop him? He's not going to be able to stop. He them. tells them to stop. That's about as he's much as he's straight up do. St- strong enough to stop them. He could. At what cost, though? At what cost? What does he want to do? Fight him? I'd just beat him down until they run away. I mean, you can tell Corvats is just like, no, we're here because we've been ordered to, and we're here for the glory of the Liberation Army. He's there for the glory. He's there because he's a prick. Yeah, and well, we see what happens to him. Exactly. On to the next bit, we see exactly what happens. So we hear the scream from the boss room. They all go running. Kirito, Asuna and Klein, they all run in. And they see the Liberation Army getting their asses kicked. Yeah, the very tired, already knackered and defeated Liberation Army going up against the boss. That mustn't have been more than a couple of minutes as well. That they were in there fighting. Uh, if that. If that. And we also find out they can't teleport away. Yes, they, they do say... Use your teleport crystals, and they're like, we tried, we can't get out. And then you see Corvats get absolutely taken down. Doesn't Asuna run in first here? First bit, I didn't expect. Yeah, I expected Kirito's kind of instinct to kick in to help, but it doesn't. Asuna is straight in. She wants to make sure nobody else dies. I do remember this scene very well. She goes to run in. She doesn't do it for a start. She stands there Yeah, she's holding a sword. She's like, got it by the handle. Yeah, she's like, if I go in... I could end up she dying run, She here. runs in, gets clobbered. But as soon as that guy dies, she runs straight in to help. As soon as Corvats gets downed, that's it. She's in before Kirito. Kirito's in as well, but props to Klein. Like, he is straight after him. Oh, Klein doesn't care. He doesn't give a flying he, monkeys. I think he sighs and goes, ugh. Yeah, like, it's such a joke to him. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I guess, come on then, we better go and help. And if I was his mates, though, in his guild, I'd be like, hold on a minute, this is a boss. And you're just running straight in and just 
yeah, sacrificing but to be fair, what happens next is pretty epic. Oh, this is the most epic battle for ages. We get to the confusing part, as well as epic, confusing, but it's confusing because of, obviously, we're trying to work out where he gets the skill from, but it is epic. The music for this battle, along with the whole cinematography of what's going on in it, amazing. Did any of us expect him to dual wield at that point? No. Uh, well, I mean, they set it up so he was like, oh, do I use it when there's people around? Should I do this? And you're yeah. like, well, what's he going to do? And he already had the other sword. We, you get the we inkling, yeah. yeah. I mean, if the hints are there, and then they're not very well hidden hints. They're in your face. Well, then he says, just give me a minute. Hold him Get, off for a minute. Yeah, hold him off for 10 seconds. Yeah, and, and then he whacks out this skill, takes the boss down solo. Yeah, but almost dies. Almost like, dies. You see this. Surely somebody should have healed him, by the way. When they know oh, no, 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 because his health's not going to decline any... Well, well, I say it's not de- going to decline anymore. We haven't established, because sometimes your health bar goes down slowly. Very slowly. Yeah, but... And someone might be sitting over you with a health potion that could help that doesn't. Why did none of the others see his health get so low and go, we probably should help Not here? a party. They were, they were frozen in fear or of what he was doing as well. It's still a 1v1 boss fight. I'm not get, like, I am not getting in his way when he was doing no, what he was doing. I, I don't think the boss in this room was the boss. True. Kirito was the boss battle in this room. Yeah, true. I'll, I'll give that to you, definitely. It does lead to that lovely moment with Arsena as well. Yeah. Where, where she, breaks she starts down. breaking down and she's like, I thought you were going to die. And he's like, nah, don't worry, love. I'm all good. Basically. That's also when she fully established that she wants to be in an official party. We needed this, yeah. Yeah. We also get the very heavy-handed Klein bit where where they're in the in the dungeon, in the boss room, and he's like, I would offer you help, but it looks like you've got enough help or you've gained more from this it's a little hint hint nudge nudge yeah it's little a little it's just basically like eh eh see you're it in. is giving him a cheeky elbow yeah, it is giving him the cheeky elbow wink wink nudge nudge say no more and then we end with them getting rejected by the leader of the blood oath for because they asked to have some leave time heathcliff was having none of it she says after that boss fight that she's going to take a leave of absence from the guild and just join Kirito because she wants to look after him and make sure that he's going to be all right even though we've just seen that he's probably more boss level than most people in the game I kind of get it like she obviously has feelings for him but it's a very quick leap of affection from where they were I don't know like they've established they had this connection back and forth that never really came to fruition and it wasn't until Kirito literally almost bit the dust that she went fuck it I'm in it's it's another moment where we're like, we wish we had more moments of romance between the yeah, two. It would have helped. But they had the few. There was there was enough for me to believe it. There wasn't I would have really liked more though. Yeah, I bought into it, but more of her in the previous yeah. episodes was needed, or just more episodes with her in it. One thing that I always do get confused about is the game establishes right from the start that there are an unlimited amount of skills and you can unlock them, but they're all outstanding when they find out that he has a dual wield skill it's also the fact that he turns around and says he woke up one day and it was in his inventory he just doesn't know where it came from he would he would have got it from somewhere he just doesn't know but what what player doesn't know what the hell has popped up in in the middle of their literally their face 
it gets explained later on why he got the skill, but I feel like they missed an opportunity of an episode where he found the skill. Yeah. Again, something missing from Sword Art called context. But then we probably wouldn't have got the badass moment where he pops out in the middle of a fight and you're like, whoa, hold on a minute. Where'd he get this from? This is the first time we've seen it. But they could have told us that he got a skill and not tell us what it is. Maybe. That episode would have had to have come before he'd even got his second sword. Yeah. You need to spread those really far apart. Really far apart. Because he clearly got it before he got his second sword. Otherwise, what's the point in the second sword? So have that really early on and then the second sword come later. Really later. So almost long enough where you forget that he's got this skill. He goes unmentioned for a while. Yeah. I think as well, something that needed explaining is why Asuna cannot leave. They never explain why she's not allowed to leave. She's second in command. Yeah, yeah. He establishes that by calling her her title. But all he's do- all she is doing is asking for time off. She's but, not saying I'm leaving the guild. But she's the one that leads the battles against the floor bosses. We've established this. She is in charge of every floor boss battle from context that we know through the show. Heathcliff straight up says, I cannot lose someone as strong as you. I just feel that it's not like... Well, they've just cleared a boss level. Okay, right there. So they're on the next boss level. They've still got to find the boss. They've got at least a couple of weeks where they could have some time off. So all I'm saying is that it's not a good enough reason. I feel that the reason Heathcliff, Akihiko Kaiba, did that is because he wanted to fight. All I'm saying is he just wanted to fight Kirito. And it was a good reason to fight. This is it. He gives Kirito and Asuna a chance. He turns around and says, tell you what, Kirito, defeat me and you two can have as much time off as you want. You say gives him a chance. He cheats. More than cheats. He hacks the game. Which brings us to the start of episode 10. (laughs) The fight between Kirito and Heathcliff. Where he cheats. So Heathcliff basically does have his ass handed to him. Kirito just outdoes him. Anyone else get a skipping vibe from the fight scenes in this normal sword art straight to like Dragon Ball Z lightning fast fighting like it went from sword fighting to beating up bosses to this scene where they're moving too fast for the audience to see i think very dragon that's Ball Z vibes. what they were trying to get at that these are the two most badass people in the entire game and number one he can block everything number two he's the fastest player and you had to have that speed where he was almost pretty much moving automatically it was their way of dropping the first hint that heathcliff wasn't on the level yeah and they they spoon fed you that they really did like that scene went on for like 30 seconds of him going he's a cheater whoa he's cheating look at him cheating it was the moment when it does the 360 reversal where you see that kirito is about to strike heathcliff and then literally it goes red and you see the shield come in front and kirito's the only one that can see it well no I don't even think he sees it. He does. Because, he, he acknowledges oh, it. Oh, no, he does. He knows yeah, something's not right. He absolutely acknowledges it because he, get, he gets that surprised look on his face. It goes from I'm going to win to straight up shock. In fairness, he does do damage, though. He does. He, he hits, hits him. nicks him on the cheek. He does hit him. But it is down to orange level. You have to get each other down to orange level. They established that Heathcliff has never dropped to orange to anything other than green. Yeah, and... That would be a question mark for myself as well. If I was Kirito now, after having that fight, my next question would be, well, I've already got questions about him. Why has he never taken more damage than anybody else? But this is where the story could have gone on about this whole 
Heathcliff not on the level. We yeah. need more hints. Kirito never really questions it. He literally just saw a guy cheat in front of him and he never really questions it after the fight. He just Doesn't accepts call out. it. He just accepts it. But I think this is this episode is probably my favourite episode from seven or from eight to fourteen. There's so much go on in this episode. I would agree. It's my favourite episode as well, for slightly different reasons. It does have a lot in it, but so does every episode. Once we left episode seven, every episode seems to contain more and more story. It amps up. It amps up. I mean, the next bit after this is he now is in the shitty robes and he's going out on a training mission with Kuradil. He joins the Blood Oath. He doesn't have a choice. Does have prior to that, he has a little moment with Asuna where he explains about why the, he doesn't like a guild. Yeah, about why he doesn't like the guild, and that's the moment when she turns around and says she'll always protect him. And I think that right there, that entire moment that you're on about, is an excellent bit of voice acting and writing, scripting, right there. Just thinking, does Kirito actually ever protect Asuna? Yes, about three scenes later from this. Like proper big protect. Like we get yes. it. We're not going to go in further into the series, but does Kirito ever come and make some big save? Because Asuna does it a thousand times. He doesn't. Not a big save, but he does have his moments where he's there for her as well. I think that though she has shown, I think in that moment when you have that conversation, he has that conversation, he tells her about it. You actually see that he hasn't fallen for Asuna 100%. Because there's a moment where she hugs him, but he goes to hug her. Doesn't reciprocate. But doesn't reciprocate fully. And you're like, so he's still not there. He's, the still, not trust- still, he's still not trusting him. And I think this is why I love this episode the most. Because you think, oh, he's, he's still not there. What happens next? Training montage. Goes into the training moment, doesn't it? It goes into Kura, uh, with Kuradil going out training. Yeah, I'm stuck on the word montage. Too. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a montage. But Fine, yeah, then. he goes out. He goes out on a training mission with Kuradil and Godfrey, who's the leader or commander of the army. Well, no, he's the trainer. He's like the guy that tests people to make sure they're good enough to get in the guild, basically. So next up, we get the canyon scene where Kuradil poisons uh, Godfrey and Kirito, or, or not poison, sorry, paralyzes. This is my favorite moment. Of the next, or of these series or episodes. The brutal killing of Godfrey was savage. Again, though, the artwork for the bad guy skips from normal to evil in a heartbeat. He goes full psycho. It is ridiculously psycho. I mean, there's nothing saying that he wasn't that psycho. We did see that he was a bad guy when we first met him. Yeah, he was an asshole. He wasn't a murdering asshole that looked gaunt again the gaunt look for the bad guys in this show he was a psycho i mean he did hang outside us in his house and just yeah look at her yeah i mean keep an eye on her without her asking to it's still for me brutal it is very 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 brutal very brutal in fact it's i believe it's the first time we see somebody get murdered out and out murdered in the series yeah actually physically get murdered yeah i think it's the first time we actually see someone die somebody gets pk by somebody else a player yeah I believe his cursor changes colour. It goes from... Uh, no, it goes to orange, and then it goes to red. As soon as he starts dealing damage, it goes orange, and then when he's killed him, it turns red, yeah. And he goes, see, I had to kill that guy to get to you. And to then Kirito. he turns on Kirito. 
and we get this moment where he's just stabbing at his health. Torturing him. Torturing, torturing it's him. torture. Again, it savage is. again. It's just stabbing him in the leg and the arm and just bits and pieces rather than just doing the job. And then we get my favourite scene. Well, we get we get the moment where you think Kirito's going to save himself. Yeah, yep. he starts trying he, to pull yeah, the sword, the sword out. Because he, he pitches Arsena, yep. he grabs the sword and you're like, he's going to pull this out and he's going to... He's going to fight back with one one health. And, and his hand just and drops. It's and the, you're like, oh. It's the word where he closes his eyes and he's like, I'm about to die, I accept it. Then he sees Asuna. Here she comes. And, well, no, you see Asuna in his m- memory and then he goes, I'm not ready yet. And he says, well, tough, basically. And then we get Asuna moving at lightning, lightning speed, speed through the canyon. And then puts Kuradil on his ass in like one hit. Doesn't fully incapacitate him, though. No, she takes out almost all his HP. Takes it almost out. And this is why, where we learn why she's called Lightning. Lightning. For she <laughs> is like a hundred hits in a second. But Ridiculous. she turns her back on him. Well, no. She goes to stab him one more time to kill him. And then he says, I don't want to die. And she's like... Compassionate. She's compassionate. Yeah, and turns her back on well, the no, psycho man. She doesn't turn her back. She stops... Gives him enough time to grab his sword, flick her sword away. Now she's the one. Fuck. And at that moment, basically, as he's about to stab... And that's when Kirito comes in and saves Asuna. Yep. And kind stabs of. him. Kind of. Doesn't stab him. This was the problem I had with this scene. With his hand. He runs him through with his hand. But we do establish that anything can be a weapon because he does it with a rock at the beginning. He picks mm. up a rock off the floor and as long as you prep it right and yep. do it at the right timing... Yeah, there's no reason in a game like a this punch. you can't punch. Someone. It's fine. Rather have seen him skewer him with his sword. I would rather for it me. too. I would rather it too. I do enjoy the bit though where he does kill him, and Kuradil just says, "You killed me," and then Kirito realizes he's a murderer. He is a murderer at that moment. But I wouldn't say murder. Are his, we? This is the moment. His I color guess doesn't change because it's not murder. This is the moment we're supposed to think that this is the first kill he's ever done. It is. From what we can tell, from what we said, he says at that point... Two years doing the stuff that he's done, like the bridge scene and everything, just luring out player killers and things, and we're supposed to believe this is the first time he's he's had to do this. My confusion comes from later on, well in the series, when there's a scene about killing Laughing Coffin. That's where I get confused, because the way they do the episodes after this one, um, we don't get a clear picture of the timeline. Okay. I just feel that with what happens with Kuradil in that moment, the emotion after he kills him is some of the heaviest parts of the series. We get our first kiss. Yes, romance. We do get our first we kiss. We get our romance, finally. We finally get a kiss. Yeah. It only took him two years. Yeah, only two years. Very quickly followed by a strip. Yeah, this yeah. is this is, yeah. this is the one where she assumes that Kirito wants to... Oh, yeah. Well, no, he says to her... Can I spend the night with you? And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. This was the moment we were on the edge of our seats, right? No. Uh, no. 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 It came out of left Two field. Two different viewers! It came out of <laughs> left field for me, that one. I don't know. Like, again, but there, there's enough. saying that as well, when she's turned down the lights and taken her clothes off down to her bra and that, I would not be like, hold on a minute, hold on. No, no, no. I'd be like, go to oh. bed, I'll stroke your hair. <laughs> I'll watch you sleep on the fence. Yeah. At that moment, I'd be like, well, I didn't. I highlighted this moment as a scene where they could have dragged it out a little bit longer for me. The suspense really wasn't there. Like, it it 
it was a bit quick. Well, she magicked her clothes off. She did magic her clothes yeah. off. Well, to be fair, you are just inventory. equipping and unequipping yeah, an item. It's not like I don't think you can sexually and seductively go through your menus and unselect an item. They can jump that scene, but he proposes almost straight after this. Does he? Yes. Yes. He does. Oh. Doesn't want to have sex with her, but will marry her. Maybe he's a, a marriage before sex kind of dude. He's just a canon, once again, anime character that doesn't know what he's doing with women. You have a lot of problems with anime characters that don't know what they're doing with women. Because normally these anime characters are like 15. They're not supposed to know yeah, what they're exactly. doing with women. But this guy isn't. He's no, 16. He'd be about 17 no, now. he's 16 and Asuna is 17 because they establish that. They do. Then no wonder he doesn't want to go all the way. He's probably nervous as hell. No, but he's well happy to marry her. Well, yeah. I think we have a lot of differing opinions on what where we would go here. So we end on the proposal and then we go into episode 11. Enjoyable. Enjoyable episode. I like these episodes where it's they take a break from the guild, they get married. I boring fucking hate these episodes. I There's don't. a few really nice saviors in this episode. The fishing guy is a savior, but the Fuck me, Sheenie's right, they're boring. The fishing doesn't even come till episode 12. Oh, for fuck me. Episode 11, they go and have wonderful time together. The girl of the morning do. We skip the marriage. We skip the house buying. Everything is skipped. I like where they buy the house, though. Nice retail property. Shouldn't have skipped the marriage. No. Why wasn't... Like, that's a perfectly good opportunity to have a filler episode with Klein and all the other ones that are still survived to show you who's still around and who is still a part of Kirito and Asuna's circle. This was the major rush in the relationship. Major rush. Another one. This is where there should have been at least three more episodes in between. Easily. This is where Sword Art takes a dip for me. From now on, the episodes knock it down a peg. It starts to go down. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that they try to cram in very quickly. I guess Heathcliff gives them the time off because they're married. Is that what we're supposed to believe? Is this their honeymoon? I have a question about this. They request a leave of absence here. Oh, and he's fine with it? This is why I say that he wasn't bothered about Asuna. He was wanted to fight Kirito. This is why I said about the marriage, though. I believe like he couldn't turn down a honeymoon. The shittest honeymoon of all time. Well, yeah, mm, I quite enjoyed the fishing. Well, we go from them lazing around in the cabin to... They walk uh, through the woods. Seriously, they walk what through is the woods. this episode? They get a daughter. Yeah, they get yeah. a daughter. Talk about Russian plot. They just find a girl and adopt her. This 16 and 17 year old just adopt a daughter. We we have to go into this. This is way too rushed. Why, why did they bring this character this, in? This is the first character I genuinely do not like they could have bought yui in later not even later if they want to bring her in i'm fine with that don't make her the daughter yeah she can be a lost character or person who they help why does they have to become parent figures you, you know what yui is a potential side quest so they finally decide to do the right thing and actually actively look for where yui came from which leads them down to town of beginnings Really nice callback, this one. It does show that there has been a loss of people. Yet there is a mention that there's only 6,000 players left in the game and 2,000 of those are still on floor one. A lot of those are kids as well. Yeah, are the kids NPCs? No, no, they're actual 
kids. No, these these are people that would have had their avatars turned into them at the beginning. Why are kids playing this game? There's no way. I'm guessing there's, there's no, no age, age limit. kind of thing on this. We don't see an age in no, this game. There's no age limit on I'm this I'm guessing game. like someone like this would be 12 up. Yeah, but they're I'd not expect, even 12. I'd expect, yeah, maybe 12 up, but these kids are not even 12. They're like 10. Most of them are 10. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure you guys were playing GTA at like 12. So I, I love that you think I was 12 when GTA came out. <laughs> Fine. Four. <laughs> we also see that the Liberation Army is actually bad. It's had a bit of a turn by the looks of it. Um, they start talking about how the Liberation Army was, at the start, a force for good, and now they've started extorting people. This is survival, though, right? This is like weak people doing whatever they can to survive. We see it's not the full army, though, later on. We just see this is just a bunch of rogue people who use the army as an excuse to extort people. Also, during this scene, the final part, UB glitches. Yeah, and it's never explained at this point. So you're sort of left on a sort of cliffhanger about why they've glitched. A cliffhanger about the worst character in Sword Art Online. We say cliffhanger, we go straight into episode 12. She's fine. Yeah, she's eating food inside this house and then all of a sudden uh, the Liberation Army turn up and have that conversation. Yulia. I believe is the name. She's the second in command of the Liberation Army. And she basically turns around to Kirito and Asuna and says, I need your help. Now, this is the point where we start finding about the Liberation Army is got bent cops in it, basically, now. And there is a split between the good part and the bad part. And we find out that the leader of the bad part is Cabal from the second episode. We find out that he's tricked and locked away Thinker, who was the leader of the Liberation Army. And he's been locked away in a dungeon and Kirito and Asuna have been asked to go and save him. And I have a problem with this as well. They never establish why Kibau has now gone almost full rogue, full bad. He's he's now being more abusive to the system now. We knew this guy was going to be an asshole eventually. We knew it. He was an asshole at the beginning. He's going to be an asshole at the end. I'm surprised he made it this far without being shanked by someone. It doesn't surprise me, but this guy decides, I'll just boss level... 1 to 26 or whatever, and I'm not going to go any higher than that. And they do establish in the episode that people have started getting angry at the Liberation Army because they've been taken advantage. So what does he do? He sends Corvats and the strongest members of the Liberation Army to defeat a floor boss to sort of get a propaganda win for the Liberation Army. Yeah, to try and desperately raise a reputation. Yeah, this is boosting their flag. And it backfires instantly because they get wiped out and they're now on the fringes of the Liberation Army and we see that Kibau now tricks Thinker. Which leads to Kirito and Asuna going to this dungeon and we finally get introduced to probably one of the best bosses, the side guy. This looks so good. This boss looks so good. This could have been... Akahiko Kaiba. This does look like a... From the start. It first is episode. a hooded figure. This is death, right? We just, it is we're just describing it. This I is love death. hidden boss. Can't see his stats. Yeah. Love it. Yep. Just in big, bold letters. They have no idea what he is, who he is. Any levels, no health bars, nothing. But they barely fight him. Yeah, I know. This is the disappointing bit. He, They barely even test this character. Even if they fought him and got beat and ran and escaped teleported crystal something would have been cool but instead we get the worst character doing something yep yui steps forward and takes the hit and we find out oh she's an immortal object 
flashes up in big bold letters, immortal object. God damn, I hate Yui. It's just, I think this establishes a little bit later. So, oh, immortal object. So later on when we get They're hints, a thing. Yeah, they're a thing that, you know, you can't beat them. But they also miss a big way of hinting at things for later on. They have a room right there against a unbeatable boss that can kill you instantly in a room where there is a GM's board. Yeah, the access terminal. The access terminal. Oh, God. Um, Damn, I hate everything about Yui. What is Akihiko Kaiba's bedroom not there, basically? His his pad? Because he can he lives in the Knights of the Blood Oath. Yeah, I, yeah but he needs to have somewhere where he manages Spoilers. the game. Where he manages the game. There needs to be a place where he manages the game. This is where you could have had hints. A little bit more of there's somebody within the Knights of the Blood Oath who is a bad guy or a guy that. But then it would have stood out like a sore thumb. If there's a bad guy within a guild like that, it's always the leader. Always. The only hint we would have needed was that that room had been used at some point prior to them getting there. So the, the idea is there that there is a player walking around somewhere in this world who knows more than they're saying. Just have it, the terminal. You don't even have to have it logged in. Just have the username filled in. No password filled in. Just have it with with Kyber's name. name. That's all you needed. But instead, they just left it as a. It looks like a coffin. Instead, we get the storyline of Yui being a aid for people's emotions. Oh God, an emotional support program. I hate Yui so much. I actually don't mind this. I feel. I, I have a question. She. I get that she's supposed to be something that is very approachable to the person that she is talking to, right? Like, Yui can become anything that makes the person she's trying to help comfortable. What in God's green earth is is Kirito thinking about a seven-year-old girl as a comfort mechanism? <laughs> I thought that was a generic icon which was there to make people feel comfortable. If it's a young girl which is literally just All right, there... This is going to be a male-dominated game with mm. teenagers. Why a seven-year-old girl? Japanese like lolly. Mm. I mean, I'm all up for a hubba-bubba, but this is unacceptable. <laughs> I disagree with you. I actually quite enjoy this bit of the storyline. I don't particularly like the character... I'd actually like this storyline about the fact that, yeah, there was an emotional support program for people in the game, and it was blocked. I would have found it more bearable, as I said before, if she wasn't their daughter. Yes. But this scene in particular, like scratch the door thing and everything else, this scene would have been better if Asuna and Kirito actually fought and started to lose. But they don't. She steps in before a single swing of that fucking thing goes to anywhere near anyone they do actually have one swing because they get knocked on their ass you see that kirito almost gets killed in one shot yeah so why didn't but give me more of a fight give me kirito using his speed we've got the two fastest people that aren't cheating in the same place with the ultimate boss show me they're fast why is an ai who's there for emotional support able to shoot gigantic fireballs they hack the system that terminal she hacks the terminal that's in this there. This is pre-terminal, though. No, no, no. It's right there. The room, because they find Thinker, who's hidden inside that safe room. Yeah. And it, it's being protected. But she hasn't used it yet. No, no, she goes in there. They're like, go inside that room. It's protected. We're going to fight the boss. They go and start fighting the boss. When she realises, hold on a minute, they're not going to win this. When they're sitting on the terminal and they're talking about how she defeated it, she says, I hacked the system I'm still in there. I can still use this. So I created an item to destroy, or I created something to destroy that boss 
because it was an unbeatable boss. Well, I, for one, am happy she hacked the system because it leads her interfering leads to her being destroyed. Oh, God, thank God. Well, and then saved into an item. Oh, you had to ruin it. Saved into an item. Again, why? I like it. I still like it. I prefer her as a necklace than a goddamn character. The whole episode there was designed for the emotional... Yeah, all right, but again, Sword Art's doing what Sword Art does all the time. It wants us to have these emotional beats but they compressed literally a daughter to a daughter's death in two episodes. Two 20-minute episodes. Why did they take her to the dungeon? Why? Why? It's a great question, Jim. Because she wants to go. Why? Because she wants to go. Oh, yeah. Because she wants... Yeah, let's let this this seven-year-old girl girl just go. We don't know if she's a player. We don't know if she's NPC. I love her so much like a daughter. Let's bring her to a dungeon. I mean, she might have gone anyway, even if they'd have forced her to stay there. Would you take Frankie to a dungeon? Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah, he'd be great. He's a sausage dog. That's great. That dog would boss every single room. That dog won't go near a tennis ball. It's not going near a boss. He actually rips apart tennis balls. <laughs> At least he's got his fighting skills then. He has. He's, he's a proper roughing. He he's not. He's not. So the episode ends with the necklace, Yui. And then we transition into the next boring episode. Episode 13, which starts off with the fishing. I don't mind the fishing guy. I enjoy the fishing. The fishing was all right. The guy's good because the guy's got a story. Yeah, the guy carries the episode. He's part of the security team for the game who gets trapped in there. And I enjoy that bit. And the fact that he says, no, I actually enjoy my fishing. You know, I do think about my old job, but I actually quite enjoy living here. The soy sauce bit was funny. The soy sauce bit was funny. Yeah, yeah. when he says he's got soy sauce because this guy's not had it for two years. And then has the proper anime, what? Yeah, yeah, the stereotypical reaction. That's great. For me, the next best bit doesn't come until after the gigantic monster fish. I love the giant fish! Like, the the fishing scene is nice, but it drags a bit too long. Also, this is probably one of the last scenes we see of Asuna being a boss. But why does Kirito run away from the fish in the first place? This is a fish on level 22, or floor 22. Well, they didn't actually establish what level the fish is. And also, he doesn't have his swords in that one. It's on We've established that Kirito can punch. He can punch through a guy. It would have been pretty badass to see him punch a fish. Yeah. But it is the last time we see Asuna really being the strong character. I genuinely believe that Kirito unarmed can beat a magic up. That was not a magic (laughs) up. A big magic up. It's a fish with legs. It's a fish with legs. <laughs> All I'm saying is... It's a Springfield is magic up. It's nice to see the strong Asuna character. Best bit of this episode was when they defeat the fish. Yes. And when she's explaining to the fisherman her true feelings towards Kirito. And why. That scene is amazing. It explains the tree scene. Finally, explains the tree scene, explains everything of why she fell in love with Kirito. But Kirito literally stares into space and just, he he doesn't want to acknowledge it. You can see it in his face and he doesn't actually say anything. He doesn't go, yeah, I got some feelings as well. It's more of us in her starting to go, yeah, I got all these feelings from X, Y, Z. It's about time that Sword Eye explained something well, emotionally. Instead of just expecting it to happen. But even that doesn't last long. Nope. She, she explains her feelings and then they're cut off completely. Because Kirito gets the message that they're needed back on the front lines again. Which is disappointing. I feel there should have been more... Filler? Yes. No, not this type of filler. 
world establishing more rules. Give they me, had their chance early yeah. on. This I is, just this think is too late, and it's too many episodes to do this. Maybe it's just I am a pure romantic by the likes of it, and I like to have more of Kirito and Asuna. I like to have that romance. Me too, thing. but that romance can bud anywhere. They are battle-hardened warriors. It's what they do. That They don't need some fishing episode to explain why they love each other. They can do ex- the, the exact same thing on some bloody battlefield somewhere. Except... We get rushed in instead. Yeah. So they get this message from Heath- Heathcliff, and he basically says that a scouting party that was sent to floor 75 got wiped out, and he knows that they found the floor boss. He thinks it's an anti-crystal zone, so they can't teleport away, and he asks for help because he wants to... He basically gathers Every multiple month. parties to go and fight this, which is another indication. Why does Heathcliff think that this is the one time that multiple parties are needed? Why isn't it every time? Why aren't these parties going, doing their own thing until they find a floor boss and then be like, guys, we need to defeat it, otherwise we all die. If they're saying 500 people are still fighting on the front lines, trying to complete the game, I'd want 500 people every floor boss fight. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Type for space. I don't give a shit. That's... Each one of those people runs up and hits something. That's 500 attacks instantly done. All I'm saying is, I, you know, personal space. A lot of that... Imagine trying to sneak in and just be like, excuse me, excuse me, uh, let me just get through here. <laughs> just squeeze through Yeah, but here. if you can't move, the boss can't move. No, he can, can swing squish everyone. Tail and wipe out like 100 people in one hit. I get it, I'd still want 500 people. Yeah, I'd want 500 people. No, what I'd want is like f- groups of 50 and they're all waiting outside in like... Tag me in. Tags them in. Switch no, no. out. Well, no, not even that. Like... Imagine they o- open the doors, 50 people run in, the doors close, doors open again, there's 50 people gone. All right, lads, it's your turn. <laughs> just just have a chain. Just have a chain. Just make sure that that door is constantly got someone blocking it like an elevator so it can never close. Well, they got their foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got 500 people. Just hold hands in a chain, Ali G style. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yes, you could have like 20 tanks on each side holding the door. Open. Yeah. That would be quite interesting to have seen. Breaking the game. But we also know that Heathcliff doesn't want that. Before they even go into the boss room, there is a moment where Asuna and Kirito are talking and she basically says to him she would commit suicide if he dies. That's the moment where Kirito first shows he is scared of losing something in the game. He tells her he doesn't want her to go. Yes. And she says, if I don't go and you die, I'm going to kill myself anyway. This is way too much. This this is emotionally heavy-handed. This could have been worded very differently and to not have the same effect. I get the suicide reference from Arsena with a callback to the, the uh, Black Cat Moonies and Sachi, but it's just way too heavy-handed for what they're trying to do. Would have made more sense had they have established their relationship yeah. sooner. And stronger. And so much stronger. worded it differently. I'd want to die if, if I lost you would have been a better way to put it than I'll fucking kill myself if you or, die. You If you die, I've got nothing else to live for. Yeah, there's Just so that many hint of I will die. so many ways that you could put this other than I'll fucking shank myself if you go. <laughs> and I think the way you're saying that that is worded is part of the reason that we start to see the degradation of Asuna being her own strong independent character. This is like we're she getting does, to the. She does tip off after this, like after. There's no real kick-ass ass in her anymore after this. No, this is the final sort of scene that she gets. Yeah, 
after this year's support for Kirito. For I the told rest you the, the fish. Show. I told you the fish scene is the last scene that you have of her being a strong independent character where everybody else is like, whoa, look at this woman. Instead of now where it's like they're back at the base and Kirito's like, don't go, please, don't go. And she's like, I don't know what I'd do. I'd kill myself if you weren't here. Yeah, she becomes weak again. She reverts back to that very first asana we saw, which just wipes out two years of growth. Yeah, they should have had her just turn around and say, I will fight. I'm just as good as you are. And you know I am. Besides, I've got nothing to live for if you die. Yeah. I get... Wouldn't have been as heavy. And let's face it, the best way that Asuna can guarantee Kirito's survival is fighting with him. Yes, and she does say that. She says that we might as well fight together because this is the strongest way we're going to do this. That is when they're outside the boss preparing for the raid. Um, They're outside and they say, look, everything will be fine as long as we're together, which is fine. And the close of the episode is when they finally meet the final boss, which is the Skull Crusher, I think. Yeah, it's a giant skeleton centipede style thing. Yeah, this is really badly animated. Anyone else the feel worst? Yeah, the worst it, bit. It was very jarring. Yes. This was clearly, I know the whole thing was computer, but this is the one that looks like it is. Like Everything else looks hand detailed and hand drawn and the centipede boss just doesn't. It just doesn't look good. The animation continues on into the next episode as well. The poor animation of the boss fight continues. Episode 14, The End of the World. I think this episode is really good. I just feel that the animation at the start of it, and actually the fight that we were supposed to get from Skull Reaper, doesn't really materialise at all. Yet again. It's exactly what I was going to say. It goes from absolutely kicking everyone's ass in the room to them killing it very quickly. The moment where the uh, fight turns is the moment where Heathcliff jumps straight in and blocks it. And then they realise, hold on a minute, if we go with Heathcliff, Asuna and Kirito, we can block it, everybody else hit it from the sides. That's pretty much it, but what happens for it that It gets fight. taken down really easily. Way too easily for this level of floor. Floor 75. And 75. 25 from the end of the game, and they're, they're doing it this easy. Did they reference how many people they lost? They like? lost, I think, about 20, 25 people. They reference it, but we don't see that amount of loss of people. We don't see... Or there's not having enough. that hard of a time. We don't see them have that hard of a time. You don't see it in the characters that much. They just lost 25 people in that one room, and no one's really carrying that. Like, in the first room, the first time we lost someone... It was a major thing. It was a major thing for everyone in the room, and are they just used to it now? I was going to say, do you think they just find it acceptable now that there is going to be loss of life every floor boss? An an acceptable Is it Agil? Agil? That turns around and he said, you know, we're still on floor 75 and we've lost this amount of people. This is impossible. We're not... Yeah, the realisation comes in that we might not ever leave this game because... We might not ever beat another boss again. Well, is it going to kill us before we can get to the end of this? Are we all going to die before the end, before we can even reach the final boss? Besides, this isn't even the final boss, because we then get Heathcliff. Who's fine, may I add. He's standing up, completely fine, doesn't look like he's been in the fight, and you can sort of see the cogs turning in Kirito's head, but it does still confuse me how he just launches at him. I don't think there's enough justification for Kirito to try and kill him. No, there's one scene from episodes and episodes ago with a tiny little inkling and then some... And the fact that he's not tired at the end yeah, of this fight. and he's but just not sweaty. Also, his health bar is it? still in orange. 
I'm not hedging my bets attacking the leader of the Blood Oath on a whim of two things that I don't think are quite right. Your guild leader, the strongest guild in the entire game, and you're literally launching yourself at him. You have just become, if you've gone wrong, you have just become public enemy number one. You're not making it out of that room. Yes. No, no. If he would have he's killed him it. then and there, he's not making it out of that room. And even he would have accepted that, I think. Well, I, I'd have liked to have seen him actually hit him. And then the explanation would have been more interesting. I like the immortal object thing comes up again. Yeah, we finally get like yeah, bomb yeah, drop. Yeah. So Kirito hits him, the immortal object pops up like it did with Yui. And we learn that he's a, he's, he's pu- using system hacks to make we, himself immortal. We still don't know, technically, that he is Akihiko Kaiba at that moment. No. All we know is he has GM perks. Kirito just turns around and calls him Akihiko Kaiba. He does. How is... How has he done that? From- he just guesses. On a, yeah, he solves one case about a murder in a town and all of a sudden he's Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, just turns up and he, he might as well pop out a pipe and just say, it was elementary, I knew exactly who he was. The fight that follows was a bit disappointing as well. I Very think. disappointing. It's just a lot of blocking. Yep, which I don't mind. We it know just- that Akihiko Kaiba, I'm going to call him it that now, can block. We know he can block instantly, 100%, and... I believe that Kirito, I think before we even get into that fight, it's the emotional goodbyes he almost pretty much does to all of the people that he knows. He understands that he's probably not going to win this fight, but he's got to try. This is it. And I think given the position, I think any of us would have taken it. When he offers him, you beat me now, you can all leave, or you have to get to level 100 and fight me at level 100. I'd have been like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you at level 100, mate, to be honest. When you're as know. skilled as Kirito, I don't know. you back that skill. Well, and you've yeah. got to remember, Kirito is, as much as he is a prat, he is all about doing good for people. And, and he got the better of him in their previous duel. So given the fact that you hope that he doesn't cheat again, you'd fancy your chances. Well, he does turn off his own mortality and yeah, his he turns off his, and everything. His, everything so he is just a normal player at this point yeah and i one of my favorite bits is when he finally talks to klein in that where he's saying goodbyes and he finally says i regret what i did in episode one yeah he apologizes for abandoning him yeah and he says i think about it all the time you finally see that actually yeah no he is a good guy 100 percent. finally you see yeah he's you see it through the whole show it just it's not as forefront as it is right now well, he knows he's probably going to die at this moment, so he's just pretty much saying his goodbye, especially when he says about Aguil, because we don't get a lot of context of what Aguil is actually about. And then he says, I know that you basically spent all your money to try and help all the lower-level players level up, which was a very nice touch, seeing as we didn't get a lot of context to him. I believe, does he reference that Aguil was the guy who created the guidebook at the start as well? I don't know if he does. Is that true? I don't know. I think so. I mean, it makes sense why he knew it was made by beta testers and who was handing it out. And it'd be a nice touch for his character. It really would, because he is just a nice dude. He's a barman. If not, I've just perfected it. Well, I mean, we're supposed to spoon in our own context in Sword Art, aren't we? Yeah, we've basically said this guy, basically GM. He can add in whatever he wants by the looks of it. But I just think that Aguil, we hear a lot of Kirito dissing him throughout the entire series, saying he's a cheap, you know, he, he's blooming money grabber and everything like that. But actually, he finally says, no, you, you've helped so many people. Um, and I knew that throughout the entire thing, even though I never said anything about it. And you never asked for any recognition from it, 
which was a really nice touch. And finally, a bit of character development for a character that we'd seen throughout the entire time. And shows up even more after this. Yeah, and it, it's they probably took him as a character. They probably realised that they wanted to use him as a more forefront character probably after episode eight or nine when they start using him quite a bit more. So after the fight that he has with Heathcliff or Akihiko Kaiba, we get the most emotional bit, I'd say, or the self-sacrifice of Asuna when she throws herself in the way. I remember watching this the first time and I found it absolutely heartbreaking because he had paralysed everybody. So I'll let you guys dissect that in a minute. He had paralysed all the other players in the room so they couldn't do anything. They'd also made her or had said after the fight if he lost that she couldn't kill herself. Like he would force her to stay alive. And he had said, if you do that, then yeah, I'll fight you right now. And Akihiko Kaiba sort of just says, yeah, I'm cool with it. They do establish that paralysis doesn't last because Kirito comes out of paralysis himself. So he never says when he paralyzes everyone that it's a permanent paralysis till the end of the fight. He doesn't establish that. I thought when he starts to lose the fight and he realizes he's about to lose and he's about to get taken down by him and she jumps in the way and takes the hit from him. Actually, Akihiko Kaiba says, oh, I didn't. I never planned that. I never programmed people able to bloom and beat the paralysis or could. He's just very nonchalant about it. He is. And I don't like that. I don't like that. It makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable because he, after that, later on, he becomes more relatable. After the whole fight and she dies, he seems so, oh, well, I didn't program these in the parameters, which is really heartless. And I thought the whole point of him being in this world was so he had a world of his own design, which had these emotions. And this is what he wanted. He wanted people to love his world. He also mentions that he gave the dual wielding sword skill to Kirito. He says that he gives he gave it to the player who showed they had the best reflexes. Which finally gives us the explanation of where he got the skills. But I would have liked to have known if there were more. If there was anything else that was out there. So... Okay, reflex skills, that's speed and agility. So did he have the tanking skills? Did he have the blocking? It's based on their, I guess, his real world self because he studies, we find out he studies... Yeah, um, um, Kendo, no. Is it Kendo? Kendo. He did study Kendo. Yeah, with his not sister, sister. Sister, cousin, yeah, that's a whole thing. But moving back to the most devastating part, the Asuna death. We actually physically see her die. Yep. She bursts into pieces and is gone. Yeah, and that right there was right after Akihiko Kaiba has that really horrible monologue about, well, I didn't predict that to happen. And then you see Kirito pick up his sword, but he's just completely heartbreaking, isn't it? No one in it at all. He's he's swinging it around limp as anything. He's a shell of the person he was. And we see the savageness again, where he just runs him through with the sword. Well, he just sort of, Goes, oh, well, he's lost all his fight. Well, that was boring. And goes to kill him and runs him through. When he runs him through with the sword and he kills him, that is the moment Klein should have used the resurrection stone. Yep. This is where it would have come back into play. Yes. Stone from episode three should have been used. Klein should have broke the paralysis out of anger for Kirito dying and used that stone to bring him back. He's his bro. He definitely should have broke out. He would have. Instead, we get this weird system hack. Yeah. Not even that. It's willpower. 
it's a it's a weird thing. Like when you look at it and think about the reference of how he's done it, he all of a sudden has the willpower to try and your prevent brain, his own death. Your brain's supposed to be fried in the real world the minute you die. Yep. But he didn't die. He hadn't been killed at that moment. He even does exactly the same thing as what he did in episode 10, where he's like, not yet. Arsena died? Yes. Yep. I just, I don't know. That whole bit is a bit of, he's done it before, technically. Should have been the resurrection stone. Should have been the resurrection stone. But it should have been that resurrection stone. I did enjoy when he killed him, though. And Kaiba actually does look kind of happy. He's sort of like... uh, Chuffed. Well, yeah, he seems quite pleased with himself and you know people have broken his parameters of a game that he created and finally somebody else is there that can challenge him and that was quite entertaining so we see him run him through with his own sword kirito comes back in ghost form and stabs heathcliff through or akihiko kaiba and then we get taken to this world above Einkrad. i enjoyed this scene because of two things it gives us a callback to the very first animation we see of the entire series where it's um akihiko kaiba's there with them on the clouds above what is Eingrad, basically the server because it's a many realms sort of thing where he can basically see his own world being destroyed because they've won the game in essence they're watching it get destroyed at this moment in time he stands there he congratulates kirito for it and he then tells him this is where I find it jarring, his juxtaposition from talking about or oh, parameters, this is not, you know, programming and stuff like that, when somebody's just self-sacrificed themselves, to then he starts talking about why he created the game. He had an imagination of a knight in a land, in a floating castle in the sky, and starts talking about his dreams and that and what he wanted. I find it a very jarring change of position. This, this character change from manipulative evil to just nonchalant dude is it's so weird so weird i would have well we get reintroduced to arsena as well don't we she's not dead not dead i wouldn't have had that just yet i would have still left it up in the air of her not being there and him having that conversation just the two yeah because that would have been quite interesting and then when akihiko kaiba disappears he brings her back to she's there yeah, this is this effectively would have been a conversation between God and man. I would have in had, this world. That's would, what this is. I would have had him turn around and say, just before he disappears at the end of the game, for completing the game, here's your reward, and brings her back. Interesting, but I also do like when they're both there. He says, "No, everybody is dead." I had everybody's memories saved on the databanks at you know the server core or wherever it is, but they're now being fried and destroyed. So everybody's memories and that that were in this game, everybody that's dead in the game is now 100% gone, which would explain Ghost, where we've seen people's memories and stuff like that. I get it, but he didn't have to bring Asana back. She was officially dead dead. Yep, she was dead dead. I just feel that that was a, they had to keep her. Yes, had to, obviously, because it drives the the rest of the whole show. But I would have had her been brought back as some sort of reward or gift or just something... I mean, he still had the res stone. Yeah. Even that. Even Klein that. chucks the res stone to him. or When he stabs like him through, he just res his asana and expects himself to die after he's run him through. Something like that would have completely... The res stone needed to be used. End yes. of. Yes. It, it needed it. And the show finally ends with him waking up a frail lad in the hospital. After being given something. 
Does he get given the egg here? The seed? No. No, no he doesn't. Oh. That's Alfheim. Oh, yeah, I, was, I just forget Alfheim exists. This is where he... You want to forget. I want to forget. Everything fades away and goes to blinding white. And he wakes up. He wakes up inside the hospital... Oh, yeah, he's limping through. Instantly goes looking for us. Yeah. And then instantly... Mm. Because they exchange their names, their real-world names. Yeah. But not where they live. Yeah. She just tells him, this is my name in the real world. Come find me. Also, we established that this is, like, across the globe. So she could have been anywhere, by the way. She could have been anywhere. With a name, Asuna Yuki. Maybe not. You'd hedge your bet she's probably in the same country as you. Yeah. At least the same country. It's a big country, though. Yeah, it is. And... The fact that you've been given just a name and that's it and now you've got to go and find them is a bit strange. One final fact. 6,147 people survived. Out of 10,000? Out of 10,000. That's quite a lot, to be honest. They've been in there two, what, two and a bit years? Two and a half years? Just over two years, I think. Yeah? Just over two years. So, yeah, just under 4,000 people died. Maybe, Maybe I'm just being a bit heartless, but that's not that many for a game that's designed to kill you. In essence. So they got to floor 75 and only lost 4,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're good numbers. They could have got the rest of the way normal. But 2,000 were on floor one. Yeah. 2,000 were just chilling down on floor one. That says a lot about... Well, there was 500 on the front line. Those realms and worlds in between and those floors must have been super empty, by the way. Very empty. I imagine so. 2,000 people on the first floor. Would you want them full? Mind you, again, it doesn't establish how big each floor is in terms of how long it takes to travel from one end to the other. Yeah, it never does establish the size of the world. And it is really tough to... Shock. Sword art doesn't establish something and leaves that to the audience. You see the visuals, like the artistic visuals on the animes of there's like floating realms and stuff like that. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. Anyway. So going into our final verdict, what are we giving it score-wise? I will jump in and give it a good seven. This is one of my favourite animes, but I am punching it low. I am going to give it 90 floors out of 100. I am going to give it 93 floors out of 100. So we need to come to a consensus. Eight. You want to go eight and a half? It's got too many floors to, to be... As good as we remember it what being through flaws? the first. I, I will argue and fight you in a duel. <laughs> duel me right now. Jim, I carry you in every game we play. You don't want to fight duel me. Duel me right now. 1v1. Come on. Nuketown, bitch. Yeah. We got a Warzone victory without you last night. Yeah, just yeah, saying. One. And I'm sure those I three kills that you got. I will you on this. What is one of our major problems about this? The ma- it's rushed. We don't the whole see... way through, it's rushed. There needed more. to be more boss battles and explanations so of flaws and what was going on. There wasn't enough. Every emotional beat that this show took was skipped. It, it didn't evolve. It fed it to you as one big, humble fucking pie that it rammed down your throat instead of slice by slice. All I wanted was the relationship development better between yep. Asuna and Kirito. The side characters needed more time yep. on the screen and they needed more filler episodes. Just episodes where they right. explain the world and go on adventures. So the biggest problems we've got are the episodes, there's not enough of them. And they're rushed. They're rushed. The side characters are underdeveloped. The main characters are underdeveloped. They're huge, huge holes for, for such a high rating. No. I still, what you're saying is right here, right now, is I don't like this 
because I want more of this. Yeah, that's a perfectly good reason. It's not I don't like because I want more of it. I want I don't it, I like it. I would have liked it more if what they did was better chosen. What they did, I loved. I could have loved it more. I could have had yeah, more. That's, that's why problem. I've given a little bit of room because it still hit those emotional beats when it needed to. What the score sound, did you give it? 93 floors. No, a little bit of room? <laughs> seven. 0.7. Seven. Not seven. <laughs> seven no, floors of out it. of a 10 scoring system, you gave it 0.7 away from perfect. Look, I'm having this as mine. I will, se- I will settle on 85 floors out of 100. 85. I'll oh. go 85. 8.5. You're not getting a high one. There's two people that agree. Fuck you. It's Ash's show. 8.6. <laughs> no. 8.4. 8.6. 8.4. Give him the 86. No, he's not having the 86. Give me the 86. You're not having the 86. No. We didn't even get to floor 86 in this. No, anime. they didn't. They got. So we'll give it a 7.5 then. They not got happening. to 7.5. <laughs> I will fight you're, you. You're not this. having it. You're not having 86. It's 85. 85 is. Yes! So it's time for us to chuff off now. All you summoners can join us next time where we'll be reviewing the movie Your Name. If you've got any queries or questions or disagree with our score, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at HowNotToSummon. I've been Sheeny Senpai. I've been unhappy. I've been the winner. Bye. See you. Tara. <laughs>